new you. It's hard to have it be a new you, right? When all the junk that kind of everyone keeps saying, we're letting go of 2020, but yet, let's be honest, it's still here with us, right? We still have the restrictions. We still have the fear of the unknown. We still have the, oh, now there's a new strain of COVID. We still have all the same issues, even though we want to say this is a new year. So the question is, when we go into a new year, a new time in our life, we have to make that choice on how we perceive what we're going through. So I don't know about you, but um, fear is like real, right? I'm sure you've all been through an example of something time in your life where you were afraid. I remember um, learning how to drive, and it was winter time. And I grew up in northern Michigan where we had a lot of snow and a lot of ice. And so they did, the, they did the driver's training during that time because they wanted all of us to experience and learn how to drive on the snow and ice. So the, we came, and it was like a Saturday afternoon, and we were supposed to drive on a freeway. Well, I grew up in this tiny little town where we had two stoplights, so there was no freeway nearby. So we had to drive, like, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour to an area where they had a freeway on ramp, and that was Cadillac. So we had to go down to Cadillac. Well, the weather was so bad in Cadillac that day. Um, the freeway, there was hardly anybody on it. And it was snowing, and it was just—it was snowing relentlessly, and the roads were really slippery. And I don't think the teacher realized, like 45 minutes from where we were, how bad the weather was that day. And so we were there, and it was my turn. I was the first person to drive on the freeway, and I'm driving, and I wasn't even going that fast because, you know, weather was bad. You could hardly see. And he just needed me to do a few things so he could just check it off his list. And I remember him saying, okay, pass a car. Like that was the next thing on the list. You know, you have to pass a car. And I'm like, what car? There are no cars. There was no cars on the freeway because nobody was out on this day on the roads. It was so bad. And he's like, just pretend like there's a car and pass the car. Well, of course, I'm going the fastest I've ever gone, right? You don't, you don't drive 55 or 60, you know, in town. And um, so I'm on the freeway. He wanted me to get up to a certain, I think I was at least going 55 or 60 on the freeway, even though the speed limit was even higher. And so I'm driving that fast on the snowy, slippery road, and I'm supposed to pass this imaginary car. And so I turn to the one lane, and of course, I'm young and dumb, and I don't know what I'm doing, so I turn it quite quickly, and then I realize I'm going too fast in that direction, so then I turn it really quickly the other way, and you can imagine, the next thing you know, I'm spinning, the whole car is just spinning, going like 60 miles per hour down the freeway, and thank goodness nobody was there, right, that was a God thing right then and there, and you know how on the side of the freeways, how they have those like little metal signs with the little, um, reflectors, you know, at least they did back then, and they, they were, I don't know how far apart they were, but we are like, click, 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 we're like hitting them as we go, and all I can see down the right-hand side is a big ditch, you know, just like goes down, and I've got my hands in the air, I've got my feet off of the brakes, and I'm doing nothing, I'm just like this, And I'm, you know, the girls in the back that were with me, they're screaming. And the instructor next to me, he's reaching over trying to, like, you know, with the hand, the steering wheel, trying to get us straight. And he's screaming at me, get your foot off the gas, get your foot off the gas. 
and I don't have my foot. And so then I'm like screaming back at him, it's not on the gas, it's not on the gas, you know, and, and he's like pumping his like special brake that he's got on his side, you know, and he's doing all this stuff. And all I could think of is we're going to die. <laughs> That's all I, I mean, I was young and dumb, and I could just see down the side. Now, worst case scenario, I've, I've since then lost control of a car and gone into a ditch before I didn't die, you know. But when you're young and you're, you know, you got people screaming in the back seat and you got this guy frantically kind of panicking over on the side of you, that's what I thought. And all of a sudden, the car comes to a complete stop. We never went over the ditch. The only thing that was all messed up was the tail light on the car from hitting, the, hitting some of the metal poles. And the car comes to a complete stop. We're all silent. And guess what the first thing I did was? And I wasn't even being holy back then. I didn't pray. I, maybe in the back of my head I was. I unbuckled my seatbelt. I put the car in park. I unbuckled my seatbelt, and I was going to get out, and I was not going to drive again. And guess what the instructor told me? He said, buckle back up. You're driving. And I was like, I am not driving. The girls in the back started screaming, she's not driving. Like, hello. Like, we're mutinying here. Like, we don't care. He's the adult, and he's a teacher. Like, I am not driving anymore. No, he insisted. He says, you are still driving. Now, as adults, all of us that do drive, we know, right? It's kind of like when they say when you fall off a horse, you got to get right back on. Because what happens is when you get off that horse and you say, I'm never getting on a horse again, fear takes over. And the last memory you have is fear of what happened. And all you do is you feel the pain of falling off the horse. If I would have gotten in the back seat and the last memory I had of driving that day was, I can't control anything, I'm out of control, I'm going to die if I drive, I probably would have carried that fear in me every single time I got behind the wheel. But instead, he was like, okay, the roads are really slippery, (laughs) let's not go 55, 60 miles per hour, let's go 35 miles an hour and let's get off of the exit ramp and let's just drive the country roads and back to town. And we just took turns driving the country roads, smooth driving, no more losing control. So what did he do? He said, I want you to have a memory today of driving, of not being out of control and not being in fear, but of being in control. So we've got to change our road for a little while because this road's not safe. And see, that's what happens with us sometimes with fear is if we stop and we say, because I was out of control on this road, I can never be on any road, then, then Satan just implants this fear in us. And as we're leaving 2020, if we leave 2020 just saying all it is is fear, COVID is going to be horrible, or my job, or my situation, or the finances, or whatever, right? And that's the only memory you hold on to, then you're going to go into 2021 with the same news reports, the same numbers, the same jobs being shut down, and you're going to go into it with the same amount of fear. And so as Christians, right, we've talked about this before, we can be thankful because we don't have to walk with that same amount of fear. We can walk with hope, and we can walk with purpose and peace. And remember, if we come into 2021 with depression, then we know that that's, that's the shame of the past. That's the fear of the past. That's us dwelling on the past. That's us saying, I did something really bad, or this happened really bad in the past, and that's all I want to think about, so now I'm depressed, right? 
We also say if I'm going to be fearful of the future, then that's anxiety. And so whether we, our tendency is to be anxious or our tendency is to be depressed, fear is that root of that. And fear, honestly, is Satan's method. That's how he goes to try to ruin all of our days. And he tries to give us hell on earth. It's this anxiety, this fear, this depression, this worry, this shame. And that is how he moves forward and tries to affect people because he doesn't want us to have life and life more abundantly. You know, Jesus came, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life to the full. Satan wants to steal that away. He wants to steal our future. He wants to steal our hope. He wants to steal our peace. And Jesus says, I want to give you life more abundantly, but will we take that life? Will we take that abundant part? Or will we say, "Eh, 2020 felt like this, right? Fear, uncertainty, confusion, disappointment. It never ended. And I'm going to take that with me into 2021. Or are we going to have hope that God can be with us despite our outward circumstances? See, that was huge when Jesus was talking to the disciples, right? And he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He's saying, look, you could be in the middle of trouble. You can be in the middle of a storm. But you can have hope because I have overcome it, because Christ has overcome it. That's why when we go be baptized, we aren't clothed with our power when we come out. We might have went into that water with us in charge, but when we come out, we can have Christ on us. I remember um, being a part of a baptism service at a, a larger church in town that I was on staff with for a while, and uh, I was t- talking to the woman before the baptism, and as she went down, we put her down in the water, and when she came back up, she just said, oh my gosh, she goes, I just felt something leave my body, and I am just filled with so much joy. Because when she went down into that water, she made that confession that I you know, deny myself, I deny, you know, whatever Satan has tried to put on me, and I want to just be filled with God's presence and his power. And when she came back out, she literally felt something leave her. You know, people talk about, well, Mary, we're just bodies. There's nothing more. There's no spirit. There's no whatever. And I'm like, you even talk to somebody who has had spirits leave them (laughs) or felt Holy Spirit fill them, right? Because there is spiritual things. I mean, you can talk to somebody that's gone down a dark alley, right, in a, in a, or the subways in a big city, and you can feel that darkness on you. You know, there is a spiritual realm. We might not see it with our natural eyes, but it's there. So let's look here in Psalms, because one of the one guys who, his prayer journals, we can read every day if we want to, which is David. He would write down how he was feeling, and he would write down what he heard God saying back to him. And in Psalms, he was, again, writing to God about a time in his life, right, where he was struggling. And this is what he says. He says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. You ever been there? Is it, is it okay to tell God that? I mean, uh, David did. He said, hey, I'm in distress here. Help. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because all my enemies, because of all of my enemies, I am utterly contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Can you imagine being an object of dread to your closest friends? You know when somebody's going through a really, really hard time and the phone rings and you're like, oh, 
if they want to answer the phone. Right? Because you're like, you're, you're filled with dread. Like their, their life, it's, and you're close friends, so you want to answer the phone and say, it's going to be okay. But let's just be real, right? When someone's going through a really hard time and you need to talk to somebody, and it's just that constant anguish that, con- well, guess now what happened, right? Now this happened, and now this happened. And he's saying, I know it. I know that I'm a dread even to my closest friends because there's even just now one more thing. He says, I am in utter contempt of my neighbors, an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and they plot to take my life. Now, I don't know if I've ever been that depressed and miserable. I'll be honest. Like, this one's pretty... I mean, if you read through what David went through, you, you can see where there was a few times in his life where it'd be this bad. I'm just being honest. Like, I've, I've had some bad days, but I don't know if it's ever been this bad. Let's, let's read again how bad his, his day was here. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Now sitting here having a pretty, you know, good week had some good food. I'm sure most of you had good food, right? It's easy for me to say, I don't think I've ever been that bad. But I bet you what, on my worst day, I probably felt like it was that bad, right? I mean, I probably wasn't like David, where literally, like, my oldest son is trying to kill me and take the throne, you know, or or Saul is trying to send armies out and get me, and I'm hiding out in wet caves. But I bet you, on my bad days, I thought I was as bad off as David. Because when you're in a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad relationship, a bad job, a bad whatever. Doesn't it feel like that's, that's, it's that bad? It feels that bad. The question is, is, do we let our feelings rule our life? Or do we say, I feel like crap and what am I going to do about it? You know? I mean, think about it. Most of, some of you have pets. I mean, imagine having a little puppy. When the puppy poops in the middle of your bed, do you just say, oh, stupid dog, pooped in my bed. Oh, well, and you go climb in that bed and go to sleep with the poop in there with you? Would any of you do that? Even if you were mad and didn't want to have to clean the blanket, wouldn't you pull the blanket off, then sleep with the blanket that had doggy poopy on it? I mean, have you ever smelled puppy poop? Ugh. See, we would make a choice to take care of the physical poop in our life. And we would clean it up or we would remove it. And when we say, oh, well, the puppy doesn't know any better. And the puppy's going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. There is even the one person who is like the least trained with dog training is going to keep taking that dog outside. Is going to keep saying no. And then pick up the dog and take him outside. Right? If you've ever trained a puppy, that's what you got. You got to just got to, most of the time, if you just yell loud at a puppy, he's scared and knows he did something wrong, right? 
I'm not going to get in the whole debate what more you should do to a puppy. I'm just saying, if you just yell, no, and you pick up the puppy and you take him outside and then you give him a little treat every time he poops outside, usually by the time that dog is six months old, if you got a smart dog, sooner, right? If you got a dumber dog, maybe a little bit later. But by the time they're one, that dog should be going potty outside. Now, if you leave a dog in a house eight hours and you give it a huge bowl of food, you might, he might have an accident. But we know that when we train dogs, that the puppy should grow up at some point and start going potty outside. But even if that dog keeps pooping in your house, you're not going to sleep in a bed with poop in it, are you? You're going to say, I cannot have my body in the same bed as poop, so I'm going to remove it. I'm going to make a choice to remove it. Now, that's a physical example of what's going on in our lives spiritually. Okay? All right, we got a new job. We got a new relationship. And poop happens, doesn't it? It does. Sometimes it hits the fan and poop gets everywhere. And you're like, oh, no. And emotionally, we just live with it. Poop gets in our bed and we just live with it. We go to sleep in the poop. We wake up and the poop's on our face. And we think we deserve the poop. And we walk through life and we smell so bad. Our friends are like, oh, need to borrow our shower? Like, do you have some hot water issues? Like, what's going on here? (coughs) And what do we do? We say, oh, no. It's okay. This is just life. See, what I want us to realize and what I want us to realize here is, is we would never, ever, ever, ever consider letting a puppy poop in our bed and we sleep in it and let it get on us and not wipe it off. We would never, I mean, that's, that's appalling for us to think about. But what I want us to realize is that when we walk around with the shame of our past and let that go, put us into a depression, or when we walk around with the fear of the future, that is Satan sending his little demonic enemies, little demons into our lives, and it's pooping all over us, and it's getting all over, and we need to recognize, yes, this thought came. Yes, this fear happened. Yes, I did something bad last week, and I'm ashamed of it. But then we need to acknowledge it, and then we need to clean it off. That's what the blood of Jesus does. He makes us white as snow. And we need to stop walking around spiritually with this junk on us. Just like I have to make a decision to clean up after the puppy when he makes a mess, even though I don't like it. Like, I mean, it's like we, we just had a puppy this last year. We got a puppy in June. That puppy pooped in our house. I mean, if you came over to my house today, you would never know that, right? Everything's been cleaned. Everything smells fine. But come, come on the day he pooped, it would have, you walked in and you would have thought, oh, my goodness, this house reeks, right? And guess what? There was like four of us in the house, and nobody wanted to clean up after that puppy. They all wanted the puppy. I wanted the puppy. I was like the one that got the puppy. Did I want to clean up after that puppy? No. And did I most of the times? No, because I'm the mom. And I'm like, Wesley, Claudia, right? I'm like delegating poopy 
puppy cleanup. Why didn't you let the dog out, right? And of course, as a mom, you can get real creative on a Well, if you would have taken that dog out when I told you to an hour ago, that's going to happen. So you have to clean it up, right? Let's just be, uh, can I not be real? You guys can be real, right? Nobody enjoys cleaning up the mess. That's why spiritually when it happens and we don't see it in the physical realm, we don't clean it up. Because nobody wants to clean up a mess. Nobody wants to have to say, oh, now the light carpet's stained. Now I got to go get some OxyClean out and mix it up with warm water and scrub it and then get some club soda and clean it up. But guess what? When you take the time to do it, your cream carpet looks fine. But it was a lot of work to get it back clean again, wasn't it? See, we have to make a decision. If we're going to stay in the pain and in the poop of the mess, or if we're going to take the time to clean it up. And it all, every situation is different, right? If you're in the middle of a relationship and, and there's a lot of poop going all over, I mean, that's sometimes, because then it's not just your attitude, it's the other person's attitude, right? But the answer is always in the Bible. You're supposed to love them. It's hard to love somebody that just made a mess in your life. It's really hard. And sometimes love has to protect, and then you have to decide, well, should I put up a boundary here, or should I love them? Or if loving them means I put a boundary up. And that's, it gets hard. It gets messy. But staying in it is not the answer. You've got to make a decision to do something different. What does it say here? Let's go back. In Psalms 31, David says to God, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by groaning and my years or my, by anguish, my years by groaning, my strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because all of my enemies, I am in utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But... But, despite all of that, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. What is he saying? He's saying, despite what is happening in the flesh and all around me, and my soul is in anguish, and I am depressed, and I am full of anxiety, despite all of that, I am going to make the decision to say, you are my God. Because I trust in you. See, when the kids cleaned up a mess and they couldn't get the stain out, they didn't go, woe is me. Forever the carpet is stained. They said, mom, I did as best as I can. And guess who came in there then and got the last little bit of stain out? Mom did, right? And woe is me when in my life I see all this crap happening and I'm trying to deal with it, and I clean it up the best I can, and there's some stain there, and I go to sleep that night, and it's still bothering me, then I say, God, bring out your holy OxyClean. Let's get this stain lifted, right? Because, see, we're going to do our best, but we need God to do the rest. And what happens is, is we do our best, it's not good enough, and we just stay depressed, and we just stay in that stained up. That's what the depression is, right? The shame of the past. I, ha I couldn't lift all of it up, so I'm just going to stay in this and be mad at myself. And next time, why do I even try? 
right? I mean, there's some people that when they drive on icy conditions, they have an accident, and they say, I'm not, next time I'm not even going to try. They don't try to learn the other techniques, go slower, get better snow tires. They just say, nope, I'm just never going to try again. And see, that's where we're at. We can go into 2021 and say, what's the point of even trying? I tried once, it didn't work, I'm not going to keep going. I'm not going to have any patience for that, right? But this is not the end. We're not going to give up. We're not going to stop trying. David said, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemy, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine upon your servant and save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But the, let the wicked be put to shame and be the silence, silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced with, for their pride and contempt. They speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundantly are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. And the word fear there means to respect you. Do we respect the Lord and know that his word that his hand upon our lives can make things better. That you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in the dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called out to you for help. See, it takes humility to cry out to God and help when we're alarmed, when we're, when we're scared. I one time lost control of my car years later. And I remember I was spinning. And, and same thing, at this point, when you're spinning, it's kind of like, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a way you could turn yourself out of a spin. But I just put my hands in the air and I just said, Jesus, Jesus. And I wasn't cursing. I know some people use that name as a curse. But I was honestly just crying out. And all of a sudden, the car just whoop, started going straight down the road again in my right lane. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Because I trust and I believe that he can reach down into my physical world and help me. Most of the time, I need him to reach down into my spirit, into my soul, help me. He says, praise be to the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his love. When I was in a city under siege, and in my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. See, pride makes us believe that I can figure it out all on my own. But humility says, I need help. I humbly come before you, Lord, and ask for your help. We need to be able to ask for help instead of being proud and saying, i got to figure it out all on my own. When we focus on the past and on the, 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 the bad things that have happened, we're not going to go forward with hope. We're not going to go forward with peace. But see, we can make a decision. Some people think you're emo you have no control over your emotions, Mary. You just feel what you feel. And I would like to differ. That's like somebody saying, like, oh, I can't control the puppy. He's going to hop up on the table and eat my steak dinner. 
No, you can stand up and you can pick up the puppy, put him on the floor, tell him no, give him his kibble, and sit down and eat your steak dinner. You have the ability to control your thoughts. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's possible. But I tell you what, you won't learn how to do that until you start trying to do that. See, one of the fruits of the Spirit, what the Bible tells us is that we get is self-control. That's one of the fruits. Self-control and patience are two of the fruits that God gives us. Now, what does that mean? A fruit can be undeveloped in your life. You can have an unripe little tiny green banana, right? And if you left it sit on the tree a little bit longer, connected to the vine, it will grow bigger and bigger and turn yellow and be sweeter. See, God says, when you become my child and you become a children of the Most High God, I'm going to give you some gifts. I'm going to give you some fruits. I'm going to give you some things that you can use in life so that way you can have life to the full. That's why Jesus came. He came so that we could have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit wants to give us these fruits. And one of them is self-control. Self-control doesn't mean I can control my husband. Self-control doesn't mean I get to control the neighborhood. Self-control means I can control myself. What's interesting is he doesn't give us things that just come naturally. He didn't give us a fruit of learning how to eat, right? Because that's something we, we grow up wanting to eat, right? That's just a natural thing. He doesn't give us a fruit of knowing how to talk, right? We live in a society where you're around people that talk. As a little kid, you start saying words. He didn't give us a fruit of how to walk straight. No, we have legs and we grow up and it's natural for us to learn how to walk. But it is not natural for us to have self-control. That's why he has to give us that. That's why as a Christian, we have something that the other people don't. People that don't have Jesus in their heart, a lot of them struggle with self-control. Some of us that have Christ in our hearts struggle with self-control. Why? Because that fruit is still undeveloped in our life. Because it's not natural for us to have it. Patience. We were writing down, Todd and I were making our list. As we go into 2021, I've always been big on this. What are the key things I'm praying over each person in my family, right? And as I went through, okay, what should we be praying over? Claudia and Wesley and what are declarations over Matthew and for you, honey? And then we got to me and I said, what about me? And my husband, he's very diplomatic and very loving, right? He's sitting here going, oh, if I knew this was going to be an example, I would never have said a word, right? And he says, honey, it's, it's your life. What do you want to pray over your life? And I said, well, I'm asking you from your perspective, right? Because I know what I want to pray over my life, but what does he see, right? He's the one person that's around me the most. What does he see? He's real quiet. He's real quiet. We're driving in the car. So I just like, oh, okay. So I just thought of a couple things. I wrote it down underneath my name, and I kind of moved on. And all of a sudden, I hear him say one word. And he didn't have to explain it. He didn't have to do anything. He goes, patience. And he keeps driving. He doesn't say anything more. <laughs> and I just said, instantly, right, anybody that's a woman that has a mouth knows I wanted to say a few different things. And instead, I just said, that's a good one. And I wrote down underneath my name patience. He may not have realized this, but that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, patience. So when somebody that I love is telling me to pray over my life for 2021, patience, right, instead of a smart remark, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a fruit that I want to develop in my life. So I'm not up here saying I'm holier than thou and you all need to work on self-control and patience. I'm saying I need to work on it too, but that is how we control the fear that Satan wants to put on us as we go into 2021. Is number one, recognize it. Yep, 
there's a lot of stuff that's unknown and uncertain that we don't know about. But I know a God who is able, who knows what is in my future, who knows how to get me out of something before I even thought about stepping into that trap. I, I, I mentioned this a while ago, and this is just something really silly and simple, but this just shows you how much God cares about the little things in our lives. I had ordered some different things from one of those bulk stores when we were all supposed to be staying home, and I ended up with this like little case of soup, but it was the wrong kind of soup. It wasn't what I thought I ordered. And I thought, what am I going to do with this soup? I don't like the soup. It was Campbell's chicken noodle soup. It was the concentrated. I'm not saying I shouldn't drink the soup and eat the soup, but just for whatever reason, I never opened it. I never made it. I wanted cream of mushroom because I had wanted to make up some green bean casserole for Thanksgiving. So I kind of just set the, this little case of soup aside that was all still shrink-wrapped in there. Fast forward a few weeks later, a friend posts on Facebook that they just got diagnosed with COVID and they couldn't leave their house and for us to pray for them. So I privately texted that person and said, hey, if there's anything you need, let me know. I'll run to the store for you and leave it on your porch because this is a single person. Not, not brothers, sisters, not really any family in the area that could go get this person anything. So I just wanted to check in with them. They texted me back and they said, what I really like is just the plain Campbell's chicken noodle soup. And I thought, that is totally God. Because my first instinct would have, was really when I first read it was, oh, plain chicken noodle soup. I'll go and get them some healthy choice, some progresso with the big thick noodles. And that's what my thought was, right? Like, oh, you know, someone's sick. I'm going to go to the store and buy them some soup. I'll, I'll, you know. And instantly God flashed that memory of in the bottom of my pantry was that case of just the plain chicken noodle Campbell's soup. And God just said to him, get him what he's asking for. See, my trap would have been, I'm going to try to do something nice and get him something different. And when I said something to Todd, Todd was like, because they're about the same age, you know, they grew up in the same era. And he's like, oh, no, when you're sick, you need the plain Campbell's. He's like, he's like that's, what, you know, that's what your mom used to make you when you were little. And he's like, he's like don't get him progresso. Like, no, he's got to, you got to get the plain. When you're sick, you just want your comfort food, right? And here, God had me order something by accident and have it ready, so I had no reason not just to give him that case of a plain chicken noodle soup. See, God knows what we need. God knows. question is, is do you want change, or do you want to stay where you've been? You have to make that choice. Do you want to develop the self-control in your life so you can have change? You all can go into 2021 with the same issues you've got right now. Or you can make a change. I don't know about you, but I want to change. We have to make a decision. Does anybody else here want change? I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. We need a new focus. I love this. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And to be always, not just when I'm with you. What is he saying? It's okay to be zealous. But what are you zealous for? What does zealous mean? To be passionate, to be driven, to be obsessed with. What are you zealous for? Are you zealous for fear? Are you zealous with shame? Are you zealous with anger? Are you zealous with, well, whatever I feel, I feel I can't control it. What's the opposite of self-control? No control. You have no control over yourself or your feelings or your future. You could be zealous for something bad. You can be so 
overwhelmed with dread and anxiety right now, and that's what you're zealous for, and that's what you're passionate about, and that's what you think about. That's what you go to bed thinking about. That's what you wake up thinking about, and you do nothing to stop it. You don't ask God to help you, or you do, or I know, you, you did once. You say, well, Mary, I prayed once. One time I said, spirit of anxiety, leave me, and I felt okay for a day, but then it came back, so why do I keep trying? Oh, we need to mix in some patience there, right? I don't know about you, but the first time the puppy pooped in the house, I told him no, and he did it again. I didn't say, oh, I'm give up. I tried once. It didn't work. No. I kept saying no, 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 and I kept cleaning it up. When you find carpenter ants working on the foundation of your house, you don't say, well, I tried one poison. It didn't work, so I just let them go. You ever get mice in the house and you say, well, I tried this and it didn't work, so I just kept letting it go. No! You kept trying different things until you found a solution, didn't you? And if you didn't, you should have. And you can do it. And it's a lot of hard work. But let's get the mice out of our house. Let's get the ants out of our foundation. Let's get the puppy trained, which is our emotions. And let's get our houses in order in 2021. Let us be zealous for something that is good. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. Let's be passionate about getting this fear under control. And let's be done with it. Let's go into a new year. What are our eyes fixed on, right? We know in Philippians it says, do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, right? Present your request by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then finally, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think about such things. Think about such things. When Satan reminds us of something bad and wants you to think on it, I want you to say, that's enough. I've already thought about that. There's nothing I can do about that today. I'm going to think about something good now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to petition God. I'm going to say something good. I'm going to focus on something good. Right? Even if the only thing you have to look forward to all week is the next church service. What is Pastor Mary going to preach on next time? What is God going to do for me? When is he going to touch my heart? You know, what, what's going to happen? Think on something good. Let go of the enemy that wants to take your mind and sabotage you. I love this in Revelations chapter 21, verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. See, before Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again and sent the Holy Spirit to us, he was in heaven. He was in the holy place in the temple. But when Jesus died on the cross, that, that big curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place, it ripped open and his presence left. Why? Because now it dwells in us. You just have to ask Jesus to fill your heart. Say, fill me with your presence today, Lord. Give me more of your presence. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with him, them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or no more crying or pain, and the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. 
for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. For those who are victorious will inherit all the earth, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, we think that COVID had the last laugh in 2020, or the government, or the politics, or whatever, right? The, the economy. But that is not the end. God is the end. He is the beginning, and he is the end. He will have the final say of what happens in your life if you want him to have the final say in your life. See, he's a gentleman. He's waiting for you to be humble enough to say, Lord, what is your destiny for my life? What do you want for this year? And that's what we have to put our focus on. What will you pursue this year? In Philippians 3, chapter 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Have we taken hold of peace yet? No. We haven't taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you might say, Mary, we haven't arrived yet. No, we haven't. But in the midst of this race of life, this journey of life, we're not going to stop living just because things aren't going our way today. And, and in the midst of your living with the chaos all around you, will you have peace inside of here because you've got some self-control and you told your emotions to stop? And I'm going to focus on what is good and what is right, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help me with today. I'm going to have the ushers hand out a card to you. Make sure everybody grab one. If you want an extra one, take home to a spouse or a loved one or a sibling or a kid. Feel free to ask them for an extra one. They're going to hand these out. And I wanted to give you guys something concrete to hold on to for 2021. I want you to post this next to your toilet. I want you to post it in your car. Maybe you shouldn't read while you're driving. Well, wherever. You guys figure it out, right? Um, most of the time when we're sitting on the toilet, we can read something. We can pray. So that's probably, make sure you each your house have one for that. But this is a prayer. And these are some things I want you to think about as we go into 2021. It says, Father God, help me clear out the old and usher in the new. Now, your old might be something different than my old. Maybe your old is looking to alcohol to solve your problems or to distract you, right? Maybe it's going to pornography. Maybe it's um, going on Facebook and, and, and watching stupid videos for five hours, right? Maybe it's nonstop TV. Maybe your old thing that you know is causing you problems is talking to a, to a sibling or a friend or a relationship that's got a lot of problems and just focusing on the negative. I don't know. I don't know what your old is. But let's be humble enough to ask God to help us usher it out, right? So, Father God, help me clear out the old and usher in the new. What is something new you need in your life? New thoughts? New ways of thinking? Clear out the old ways of doing things. The old patterns of thinking, everything that has held me back and kept me in Egypt or bondage, right? When the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were slaves. They went into it with food and with land and with wealth, but they were told not to stay and they stayed too long. And then it held them in bondage. Isn't that what sin does? Oh, this will be fun. Oh, that first time it was so fun. 
And then before you know it, that sins hold you into bondage, didn't it? Maybe it's a relationship with somebody at work. You call them your work spouse. Don't they call them that work wife, husband wife, or work husband? That's bondage. That's not, that's not your wife. That's not your husband. That's called a death. That's called an affair. Read through, read through Proverbs where it says that, um, you know, this woman calls to me, and I see the young men going towards her, and I want to yell out, She's, that's leading you to death. What is that little thing you need to let go of? Who is somebody you need to block on Facebook and not talk to them anymore? What store do you need to stop walking into? What TV show do you need to, to, to block on your TV or, or to cut out? What do you need to let go of? What do you, you need to call and have your internet shut off for a while because your teenagers won't stop getting on pornography? Guess what? You'll be fine without internet, folks. Parents, you got to do what you need to do so you can help your kids. Right? What do you need to do? What is the old thing you need to let go of? Be humble enough to say, God, show me. Because if you keep doing the same thing you did in 2020, nothing will change. I promise you that. You have to do something different this year. Clear out the old ways of doing things, the old patterns of thinking, everything that has held me back and kept me in bondage. Bind and remove the demons sent from hell to hinder me. There are demons sent from hell to hinder you, to trip you up. I'm telling you right now, don't tell me you don't believe it because it's in the Bible. God is real, Satan is real, but they're not equal. A lot of people think, well, God's here and Satan's here, and it's a fight. No, God is here, Satan's down here. All of his angels are at the same level as Satan because he was an archangel. And then Jesus, who is God, is up here and said, all you have to do is tell him to be gone, tell him to go. But we don't because he says, oh, I'm bigger. And he gets it in our mind. And we think that, that we can't control anything. I remember one time a friend was so fearful of her ex. And I said, why are you so afraid? And she said, well, he can just take my kids away. And I said, no, you have to go through the courts. You can't just take your kids away. Once she realized he didn't have as much power as she thought he did, all of a sudden she wasn't afraid of him anymore. See, that's how Satan works. He tries to make you think that he's more powerful and he can control you. No, you control you. That's why God's given you self-control. God doesn't control you. Satan doesn't control you. You control you. But Satan will try to manipulate you to make you think that you have to do whatever he says. But you can tell him to go back to hell where he belongs. Just use the name of Jesus. Use the authority of Jesus. Destroy and remove the idols, walls, and barriers I have placed in my life and ministry that have distracted protected, or comforted me in the past. Yes, I want you to get rid of a boundary or an idol that has brought you comfort in the past that you know should not be in your life today. Right? Maybe talking to your mom every Friday brought you comfort because she was telling you everything's okay. But maybe now, at this point, it doesn't bring you comfort anymore. Maybe you need to put up a different, you know, set of things like where maybe you don't talk to her about your marriage anymore because maybe in the beginning of your, your life it was a good thing, but now maybe she's discouraging you and, and it's causing a division between you and your spouse. I don't know. Sometimes things, we, we get into these habits and we do things because they brought us comfort before, but we have to be honest to say, does this need to change? Reveal and remove what is no longer needed. Some of you are reading that saying, well, I don't know what needs to be removed or removed. Need, you know, I don't know. God will reveal it to you if you ask him. Help me, Father. 
Help me create something new. Help my territory to increase with your blessings. May wealth, health, self-control, and blessings pour into my life. And out of the abundance you give me, may I help those in need. Now, some people might think it's selfish to ask God for wealth. But it's not. God's word is very clear. He is our provider. He wants to give us things. He wants to help us. We have to ask him. That's why the Bible says you have not because you ask not. It's time for us to start asking him for blessings. It's time to ask him, you know, help me with my territory, right? Maybe, maybe you have so much and, and you need God to double your business this year. Or, or maybe you just got one vehicle, but you really need two vehicles. You need to double your territory this year. Maybe you got one job and it's part-time, but you need two jobs or you need a full-time job. You need God to double that this year. See, it's, it's not selfish to ask for it, especially when we use the abundance of that then to help people in need. And that's what we're praying here. We're saying, Father, help me create something new. Help me create my territory. Increase with your, with your blessings. May wealth, health, self-control, and blessings pour into my life. And out of that abundance that you give me, may I help those in need. Yes, you want to enjoy the benefit, but then out of that abundance that overflows, you can help those around you. Did you know Abraham, when he had to go after Lot, some, some bad guys came and kidnapped his nephew. So he had to go face the bad guys. It says that Abraham had 300 fighting men under his household that were born and raised and trained in his household. Now, those 300 fighting men had mothers. We assume that. They were born in his household, so those mothers had to have been part of Abraham's household. And we're assuming that the mothers didn't all have immaculate conception, so they had to have fathers that are probably no longer fighting age. And they probably had some sisters and some little brothers. So let's just assume conservatively that for every fighting man, there was two more family members back at Abraham's household. How many people is that? Somebody with good math, shout it out. 900, right? There had to have been at least 900, the 300 fighting men, at least one mother is still alive, and at least one sibling or a father is still alive. So there was at least 900 people that were under Abraham's household. We don't think about that when we read about Abraham and all the blessings that he had and the sheep that he had. That every single day, 900 people got up and ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it was Abraham that had to feed them all. Now, obviously, he didn't prepare the meal, but he had to have enough wealth to feed them all and to clothe them all. It says they were all clothed, trained. They were all part of his household. Now, why would somebody of that day and age want to be part of somebody's rich household? Because they didn't have land and then have their own resources. They couldn't go work, you know, at McDonald's or a factory or, you know, the construction. No, like either you were part of a household that could provide for you or, you know, you, you were on your own in the desert land. So they wanted to be part of his household. But he had at least 300 that had been born and raised. So he had 900 people at the very least. God gave Abraham so much wealth that out of his abundance, he was able to house and take care of at least 900 people. Don't tell me God doesn't want to give you wealth so you can help your neighbors. Don't tell me that God doesn't want you to get another job so that out of the abundance of your income, you'll be able to bless your children and your children's children. God doesn't love Abraham more than you and I. we got to ask him for it. Father God, why don't you all read this with me, if you believe in what I just read to you and that you want this for 2021. So I'll read this out loud. Father God, 
Help me clear out the old and usher in the new. Clear out the old ways of doing things, the old patterns of thinking, everything that has held me back and kept me in Egypt or bondage. Bind and remove the demons sent from hell to hinder me. Destroy and remove the idols, walls, and barriers I have placed in my life and ministry that have distracted, protected, or comforted me in the past. Reveal and remove what is no longer needed. Help me, Father. Help me create something new. Help my territory increase with your blessings. May wealth, health, self-control, and blessings pour into my life. And out of the abundance you give me, may I help those in need. I trust you, and I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what God does for 2021. So it is the first Sunday of the month, so we will be doing communion. So if the ushers want to come up and grab the communion wafers. Again, these are all prepackaged, so all you have to do is peel off the top part while I'm kind of chatting after they hand it to you and get, get your wafer ready. But that way everything is clean and sanitized. You don't have to worry about anything. Let me pray over the elements while they're still up here. All right, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I consecrate this bread and juice for Holy Communion. Father, may your Holy Spirit fill it in the name of Jesus. We pray and remember and trust in you. Amen. All right, so go ahead and hand that out. One of the wonderful things is that Jesus' blood was shed on purpose. He chose to go to the cross. I don't know if you remember this, but in one of the, one of the gospel um, areas, thank you, it says that the crowd came and they were going to push him off a cliff. He could have just been the sacrifice then. And all of a sudden, he kind of disappeared and they couldn't see him anymore. And he walked through the crowd with nobody touching him. They couldn't see him. See, at any point, he was God. I mean, he could have just disappeared. If he didn't want to go to the cross, he could have just disappeared again and went to a different area. But he didn't. He purposely went to the cross. This blood and this body was broken and was shed on purpose. He met with them the night before he went to the cross. At that point, they didn't even know that someone was coming to do that. And he came and he said, We're gonna, I'm going to go to the cross. My blood is going to be shed. My body is going to be broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. I love that. So if we go here in Matthew chapter 26. In verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. As you get those lids off of there, go ahead and let's grab the bread. Mine's kind of broken up here, so I'm going to put it in my hand here. Father God, we thank you for your body that was broken to bring us peace, to bring us healing, to bring us forgiveness of our sins. As we take this, we remember your sacrifice. And we remember not only today, but as we go into 2021, that you did this so we can live a full and abundant life. 
In the name of Jesus, go ahead and take the bread if you haven't already. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father God, we thank you that you're willingly let your blood flow to forgive us, to cleanse us, to cover us, to make us new. We receive your forgiveness for all of our sins, the ones that we're still struggling with, the ones that we've committed in the past. Help us, Father God, to walk with your righteousness on us because your blood has made us new. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Take the blood if you haven't already. Father God, we thank you so much for this day, for this place, for this time. Help us as we move forward to let go of the past and to go forward with the new. Be with us and watch over us. And I just declare right now in the name of Jesus that any spirit of fear that is rooted in any of these people's minds, their spirits, their thoughts, their souls, their bodies, their homes, their households, their relationships, that I root you out in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the Father God, and Jesus, the Son. And we say enough is enough, and you are to come out of them. You're to come out of their relationships, out of their workplaces, out of their homes, out of their minds, out of their spirits, out of their souls, out of their bodies. Spirit of fear, we reject you right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke you, we bind you up, and we cast you out of our lives. And when you try to come back and whisper in our ears again, we will recognize it. God is going to reveal to us the sources and the ways and the holes and the, the areas where Satan continues to bring that fear in. And we're going to recognize it. He's going to reveal it to us. And we're going to continue to say, get behind me, Satan. You are not welcome here in my life anymore. I will not listen to your lies. I will walk in faith and trust in the Lord Almighty who loves me and wants good things for me. I will put my trust in him. I may be made aware of something going on that I need to address, but I will not be afraid. I will trust that the Lord will help me deal with the situation. I will do my best and I will ask God to help me with the rest or bring somebody along into my life that will help me with whatever I need to do. But I will not sit in fear, paralyzed and afraid anymore. I will walk into 20 21, full of faith and hope, knowing that I do not need to let things happen to me. I get to make the decisions of what I get to do. I'm going to have self-control, not only with my actions, but with my thoughts. So Satan and fear, you must leave right now in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives. We just took that communion. We took his body. We took his blood. We put it into our bodies. So from the inside out, right now, Father God, make us whole, make us clean, make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Again, the blessing shop is open. There are sign-up sheets in the back for the baptism if you're interested in being baptized. Even if it's a second time for you, if you want to go down in the waters and be made one in Christ, that's your choice as an adult. And we look forward to seeing you all next week. God bless.